0: always a healer in the house if if any of your children are present there is always a healer in the house we are the carriers of the healing power of god so father we thank you that our faith releases the healing power of god lord we give you the praise the honor for god we thank you that you've not changed even a hair's breadth father you're still the healer today as you were when you first announced it by moses father you were a healer even when you established a covenant with Abraham, Father. That Abraham was the first person to pray for somebody else to be healed. Sarah was the first person to receive healing by her own faith, Father. And we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, I had never thought about the Sarah was the first one to receive healing in her faith. That's pretty good, right? Um, and Abraham was the first one to pray for somebody to receive healing. Um, and I was just thinking about that. Let's turn on to uh, Luke chapter 5. We'll, just, we'll get into the Dr. yeoman's book in just a second. But uh, that song is singing about this, uh, uh, this story here in Luke chapter 5. And it says uh, in uh, verse 17, uh, it says, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees, and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. So, there's, so uh, not just in these three areas, but all the little areas around these areas, right? All, every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That word power there is dunamis, right? The supernatural miracle working power of God was present to heal them. Up to this point in time, in verse 17, how many of these people in this house were actually healed? How many did the power of God fall upon uh, in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, to receive healing? Zero, right? There's none. Nobody received healing. Uh, So, you know, some people would make the observation, then the power of the Lord was not present to heal. Is that true? If if, if a group of people do not receive healing, does that mean that the power of God is not available to heal? No, that's not what it says. In fact, it says the exact opposite. That the, the power of the Lord was always present. Well, why was, uh, how was the power of the Lord present to heal? What caused it to be present to be healed? The appearance of Jesus, right? He was there. He was the carrier of that power, right? Uh, and, and notice, it, it doesn't specifically call it that. It was the anointing of God present to heal. You know, anointing is, is the manifest presence of God. And it really um, is manifested through the gifts of the Spirit, which are the sovereign move of God. But um, the, the power of God to heal is contained in his word and uh, in, in the name of Jesus, right? Didn't he say, lay hands on the sick in my name and they shall be healed? So the power of the Lord is present to heal whenever the name of Jesus is available to be spoken. Well, uh, who carries the name of Jesus, the church does, right? We, we carry the name of Jesus. So, in every place that we go, every circumstance that we're in, then, uh, biblically speaking, the power of the Lord is always present to heal because we have arrived. Amen? And if we're there, the power of the Lord is present to heal. Now, that doesn't mean that anybody m- m- will receive healing. Nobody received healing, right? At, the, at this point, you, uh, you know that these doctors of law, there's somebody sick, right? I mean, you can't, gra- you can't gather together any group of people any regular group of people and somebody not be sick in that group of people, right? I mean, even today, right? you know, five people, yeah, I want to be sick. You know, you th- and this was, this was in, a, in, a, in, a, in a home where there were so many people that nobody else could get into the building. So it wasn't just like, you know, the three doctors of the law sitting around just, you know, having a conversation. This was, you know, packed uh, wall to wall, door to door in this house where there was no room for anybody else. You know, and no doubt people were standing on outside trying to listen in, in as best they could, right? And that's why the story is the man, he had to go through the roof, like the, like the song sang, he had to go through the roof because so many people were packed together in this house that there was no room left for anybody else to get in. You know, and yet nobody was healed. Not a single person was healed. <clears throat> and people say, well, God doesn't heal anymore. I mean, you, and and, and you say, well, if that's the case, if God is not healing, that's not on God's side. Right no God was not was, was God healing anybody at this point in time? God was not healing anybody to, at this point in time. Is that because the power of God was not present to heal? No, the power of God was present to heal yet God wasn't healing anybody. so where was the issue? The issue was on the receiving side, right? The issue was not on the on the power not being available side. The power was available uh, and and today uh, oftentimes it's not always the case, but oftentimes why uh, is nobody getting healed? Well, power wasn't there today. Power is always there. Are you there? The power is there. Uh, it's not in me, it's in us, right? We are the church. We are the carriers of the power of God. We are the carriers and caretakers of the name of Jesus, which contains the authority to be healed. On occasion, God will, will, will move in a special way and anoint us in a special way with, with the uh, manifestation of the gifts of healing or workings of miracle or special faith. One of the power gifts. That, that can push through a lot of uh, doubt sometimes. Can't push through really un- unbelief, but it can push through doubt or even lack of understanding a lack of knowledge, you know, and overcome somebody's lack of faith on their side. It can't overcome their unbelief on their side, but it can't overcome their lack of faith on their side. Lack of faith and, uh, and unbelief are not the same thing. Lack of faith is just unaware, right? They haven't, haven't been taught, haven't been trained that he can be healed. Unbelief is, yeah, I, I've made a decision. God can't heal. That's a decision, right? God can't power through that, amen? We've seen that uh, in, in, um, well, we see it right here, obviously, uh, that uh, even though the power was present to heal, nobody got healed. You think about uh, the waste of that power, right? The Son of God is there carrying the power of God into this building among all of his people, and nobody received healing, nobody. Uh, and, And when people say things like, well, God doesn't heal, I think about these stories, right? Like this, right? Like this, right? Well, why didn't God heal? Is it on God's side or is it on our side? It's always on our side, right? Always. It's never not on our side. It's always on our side. Amen. It's never on God's side because we are the carriers of the power. Uh, even if we don't recognize it, even if we don't believe it, we still have the name of Jesus assigned to us. Uh, every Christian, every born again Christian, every every sincerely, uh, uh, every sincere born again Christian has the holy ghost in them with enough power to heal every human being on the earth at any given moment of time Uh, and and yet some uh, some of them many of them will say with their own mouth god does not heal even though that that is demonstrably not true right even though it's it's technically biblically completely untrue what else would you do with that power i mean what you know people uh, that are born again every christian you know, you can talk to any Baptist, you know, they, they believe in the Holy Ghost, right? They, believe in not, they don't believe in speaking in tongues, but they believe in the Holy Ghost, right? They believe when you get saved, the Holy Ghost comes in, in among you. Every good Baptist will tell you that, but they'll tell you that he doesn't heal. Well, what's he there other than to do powerful things? If he's not doing powerful things, what's he there for? You know, telling you uh, uh, how to live your life, that's a powerful thing. Telling you which way to go, left or right, that's a powerful thing. Doing supernatural works among you and, and on your behalf is a powerful thing. And yet, a lot of the church will tell you that he's not doing any powerful things. He, he, he doesn't do anything. You know, I told you that a friend of mine, that uh, you know he, he, he was a member of the First Church of Doubt and Unbelief, and they don't believe anything. And I said, well, does God speak to you today? No. Does he do miracles today? No. Does he heal today? No. Does he supernaturally intervene in your life on a regular basis? No. And so I said, well, what's he doing? What, what's, the, what's the Holy Ghost doing in your life if he's not doing anything? He's not speaking to you. He's not leading you. He's not doing uh, miracles among you and by you and through you. He's not healing you. So what's he doing? He, the greatest power in the world. You know, it's, it's like you know, building this nuclear plant uh, on the north side of, uh, of uh, Ray County. And all, all it does is, is power one little 30-watt light bulb. And they, but they, you know, just think if that's all they did with that nuclear power plant, right? They built the entire plant, put one outlet on the outside of the building and plugged in a 30-watt bulb, that's it. That's all, that, that's all they're using that nuclear plant for. That, and people are like, well, "Why would they do that? That's such a waste, right? That nuclear plant powers hundreds and thousands of homes, right? And businesses in our area, one, one nuclear plant can, can produce enough energy for all of these thousands of homes in this area but if all they did was power one little 30-watt light bulb, you think, wow, that's a lot of money. I mean, they spent 20, 30 years building the thing, and, and, and that's it. It's just, yeah, but it's a nice light bulb. It's a really nice light bulb, you know. Uh, and we think, well, that's a waste. And yet, every Christian has that same power, you know, greater than the nuclear power plant in, in, there at, uh, at TVA and Sequoia in the south south part of us, uh, south, of, uh, south of us. Uh, there's enough power in those two nuclear plants to to, ha- uh, to power tens of thousands of homes. Amen? And, and um, you know, we think if, um, <clears throat> what what if they just did that and they had the, the TVA plant uh, north of us and they have the Sequoia nuclear plant on the south of us, but what if they just ran an extension cord from the north plant to the south plant to run their 30-watt ball but not even use the, the <laughs> we think, well, that's really crazy, right? <clears throat> and yet, we don't think it's crazy to say that the most powerful uh, entity in all of creation, because he created creation, obviously, right? But the most powerful entity in existence, living on the inside of us, does nothing. He, doesn't, he has no responsibility, he has no active involvement in our, in our life. Well, why would he do that? Why would God design it that way? Why would he grant us that much power and, and allow all of us to carry that power and not do anything with it. You know, Just uh, we were praying this morning and, and part of the reason why we pray, and if you listen, you know, a lot of times I'm praying when I'm praying before service, the reason I pray what I pray is it's really the spirit of prophecy praying because those are things that the Lord had given to me just, just last night in just prayer, uh, the Lord was just talking about His glory. just talking to me about His glory, about how that when He sent the Son into the earth, glory was seen only in a small town in, in, of Bethlehem. And that was it. And in, in his life, it was only seen in the small country of Israel. And yet he said that the earth shall be filled with his glory. Didn't he declare that? The earth shall be filled with his glory. Well, how is he going to get the earth filled with his glory? Well, we are the carriers of his glory. The glory in the, in the Bible is the Holy Ghost, right? When you, Whenever you see the glory of God, you can replace that with the Holy Spirit and not be doctrinally in error, right? That's the same thing, right? The the Bible says that the, it was the glory of God that raised Jesus from the dead, but then also says that the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. So so we, can, we know from the Word of God that any time he's talking about the glory of God, he's talking about the manifest presence of his Holy Spirit. Well, we carry the manifest presence of his Holy Spirit with us. So the glory of God shall fill the earth, but it will fill the earth because we carry that glory into all corners of the earth. And, and the purpose of the glory of God is just to sh- shine forth his goodness in the, in the world to show the people the goodness of God. And that's our job. And there's no better way to do it than to heal the, the sick. Amen. Uh, and it's such a, such a blessing for us as a church to be caretakers of that glory, to carry that. <clears throat> and, and, you know, we can get into situations like this. You know, and the nice thing about this, this particular story is it tells us that even though we carry the power of God to heal, we should never be under any pressure to perform. Right? We should be under any pressure. Well, you know, we've got to show that God's good. by, by We've got to heal somebody. Was Jesus under any pressure? Did, did he just grab one of the Pharisees? Well, you're sick. Let me pray for you anyway. Did he do anything? Did, did he get under pressure to prove that he was the son of God? Or prove that God's a healer? Uh, he was under no pressure. And so you should never be under any pressure. Amen? You should never, well, I, you know, I, I've got to show that God's good. I've got, got to do these things. Well, then, then you're really in a performance mentality. And we've got to avoid that, right? We've got to be careful because God's not, he's not, he doesn't feel under any obligation to prove his existence to anybody. Amen. If people believe in him, he'll do, he'll move the universe on their behalf. But he's under no pressure to perform just to, just to uh, prove that he exists. He Right here, the power of the Lord was present to heal. Nobody was healed. And yet Jesus didn't go out of his way. You know, he was praying or we talking to sick people somebody in this group was sick you know that i mean just just walking around since tells you that any group of people somebody's going to have some toe ache you know or terminal cancer you know need a brain transplant or something or somebody's got something wrong with him somewhere and yet no pressure to move and and you know i I, when i when i read the word of god i'm not only reading you know for the doctrinal but i'm also reading lord how did you operate when you did uh, how did you perform how did you move and, and minister and I'm trying to be, uh, trying to learn from the way he did things. And so, you know, I know, I know lots of Christians, especially charismatic, because we're all out of control people, right? And just all the time, just like a bullet in a china shop. Going, i do just got to pray for, I'm going to pray for them. Well, did the Lord tell you that you've got to pray for them, or you just feel, you just feel like you've got to perform? A lot of times at the charismatic church, we feel like we've got to perform. We've got to prove that we're right and everybody else is wrong by going and pray for somebody to get healed. And the Lord's not, he's not obligated to to validate your performance. Amen. Yeah. And so we can be just that peace like Jesus was here. Everybody's there. The power of the Lord's present to heal. Nobody wants to be healed. Nobody wants to raise the hand to get healed. And he, he was ready to move on. Right? In fact, if, this, if the man hadn't showed up, he'd have gone there with the power of the to present to heal. He'd have left with the power of the to present to heal and nobody would have got healed. If the man born by had hadn't showed up, nobody would have got healed. He'd gone there and left with all these people that needed healing. Nobody would have got healed, and Jesus would have been under no pressure whatsoever. And so we need to make sure we don't get under pressure and, and because what we're doing is we're really tempting the Lord when we do that, right? Well, you've got to prove yourself to these people, and he doesn't have to prove himself to anybody. He, he already knows who he is, right? He's under any pressure to, to prove to, to anybody that he exists. So it's good to learn you know, to, to kind of read between the lines and see how Jesus operated, right? When he went to the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5, prayed for one man, left. And, and there's dozens, probably hundreds of people there around that pool. Some been there for a long time. He went in and prayed for one man, left. Nobody else got healed. Now, I could guarantee you, if anybody else around that pool had said, hey, can I get some of that? he oh yeah, no problem. Everybody that came to Jesus left healed, right? Everybody went to him, Left healed. Nobody that came to him left sick. Amen. That that wanted healing. So, uh, but he he passed by hundreds, probably in his in his ministry. I bet thousands of sick people walked right by him. Well, how, how could he do that? There's no unction from the Holy Ghost, right? Uh, and, and again, that should that should help us understand. Of, uh, we're not required to prove to people that God exists. Amen. Uh, now, if we say, Hey, anybody wants to get healed. And they all come running forward. Yeah, pray for all of them, right? Uh, and the Lord, the Lord will show his goodness, amen? Uh, and so that's such a good story there in Luke chapter 5. We can learn a lot from that, amen? Uh, and, and um, you know, I remember a time when just as a charismatic Christian, I would be under pressure. You know, I've got to prove that God does. I've got to prove that healing is so. I've got to prove that, that God's still moving among us. And Jesus did not feel under any pressure to do that, Amen. So we can learn it to the wisdom of jesus had amen and not not do that because what happens oftentimes is we try to prove god's existence and uh, not by the unction of the holy ghost but uh, because uh, we want to help out god right help out help the lord out because you know obviously he can't get by on his own uh, and so we try to help them out and and then we're not successful and it hurts our faith and they were like lord lord you know do you really exist i mean i thought you did and I expected you to prove yourself here. He's not under any obligation to do that. Amen? Uh, now, anybody that says, hey, I heard you're a Christian, uh, and you said that God's uh, God's the healer, would you pray for me to get healed? Absolutely, 100% of the time, right? Uh, and, and he will show himself strong in those cases, right? Uh, and so, uh, let, let's uh, turn uh, back to uh, the book of Exodus here. And um, so... Uh, the the name of this chapter is chapter three in our book here. This is Healing Pictures in the Bible. And so she really just goes through a couple of things uh, uh, in um, a couple of Old Testament stories here. And um, I've gone over this chapter uh, really several times. And um, to be perfectly honest, I've really struggled a little bit in this particular chapter because it's like, okay, I see what you're saying. But, um, um, you know, and part of it is, You know, I stand in the office of the teacher, right? So teachers, you know, it's got to be all laid out just, you know, just so for me, right? Uh, You know, this kind of, well, God, you know, he'll probably do it. Well, why? "Why? He'll probably do it. But I don't want to know why, you know. Uh, And what's your basis and foundation for believing that? Well, you know, he'll probably do it. That's why. You know, it's just, it's not good enough for me, right? I I need, I need, uh, I don't need one verse. I need like, give me a chapter, right? I need, I need like, you know, 18 verses, you know. And then let me go read a couple hundred translations and see, You know, that's, that's just, uh, and I understand, you know, especially from, um, I suspect that that some of these chapters were uh, services that she preached at. Uh, And, you know, because that was fairly common for a lot of, a lot of authors uh, that that they didn't actually write their own books. Somebody just transcribed messages or teachings, you know, And, and from an evangelistic standpoint, you know, you can preach things. And it's not, it doesn't have to be quite so line upon line, right? Like you're teaching something. Uh, and um, just like this morning, we're preaching about framing your, your world, right? It's based on, a, 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 on Hebrews 11.3, but, you know, we didn't go through the, the uh, Greek or Hebrew definitions of any of those words, right? We didn't run cross-references like we normally do and go through a bunch of uh, scriptures there. We preached it, which is fine, Right. Uh, but um, mm-hmm. sometimes translating that into a book then can be a little bit difficult because a book it's, everything's a lot slower and, anyway so um, so here we are so uh, she she wanted to go through the the picture of the passover uh, as a uh, as a kind of a healing analogy with us and so we'll go through it because the you know the, the Word of God is always anointed amen uh, and uh, and we can always uh, increase our faith anytime we open up the word and so so uh so she starts out with talking about the Passover as uh, as a picture of healing, you know, really as an analogy towards healing. Uh, and so we're in Exodus 11. So let's see what the uh, what the guidelines were, uh, were for the Passover. Uh, and it says in verse 4, And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn of the land of, of Egypt shall die for the firstborn. Born of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. So, so this was this was the pronouncement, right? This was the the uh, the judgment that it, that Egypt had fallen under because really of their own words, right? Uh, and by refusing to uh, yield to the Lord, now they have fallen under the judgment of God here, and uh, the firstborn of not only of all the people, but of all of the beasts, right, all the cattle. Uh, If it's firstborn, then it's not going to survive. And, of course, the Lord had warned uh, Pharaoh. This is the tenth sign and wonder that the Lord had performed, uh, really, for the benefit of Pharaoh, right? Because he could have gone straight from, oh, you don't want to let my people go, then, then, you know, death to everybody. He could have judged him immediately if, if he was a harsh God. He gave him ten times, ten opportunities to repent, didn't he? Uh, and ten times Pharaoh said, "Yes, I'll let the, you can let the people go." Well, it probably wasn't ten times, but many of the times Pharaoh said, "Yeah, you can go." And and, and then he go, "No, you can't go." He lied, right? He 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 uh, took back what he said. Uh, and, and in fact, he said, "Well, just go do it. Uh, uh, just go do your, your sacrifices here." And and they said, "We can't we can't offer sacrifices in, in the world." You know, they said we can't do it in Egypt, and Egypt was the top of the world. And if you read that, the context of that, what they said is we, we cannot serve the Lord in the world. That would, you know, you can learn a lot from that as a church, right? Uh, we can't serve the Lord in the world by doing things in, in the world, right? We, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And so even though we live here, we can't do things by the, by the methods that the world does things. Uh, and, and so we have to separate ourselves, right? We are, we are the separated ones, amen? We are the called out ones. Uh, of the world we're, we're not just you know sitting in the world acting like the world doing like the world does and just have the, the name of Christianity step, stamped on our head we are the called out ones amen uh, and um, you know I don't, I don't know why it's so hard sometimes in the church for us to be okay with being different from the world amen I'm perfectly fine with doing things differently than the world does amen and you look at the world they're a mess why would I want to be like them why would I want to act like them and be among them and, and die like they die uh, you know, I don't have to be prideful about it and, and condescending about it, and, and act like I'm better than somebody else because of it. I don't do that. But I have no, I have no desire to to go and study the ways of the world and to bring them into the church. I am perfectly fine with doing things our way, amen. Because our way leads to life. The world's way is only going to lead to death. And, and yet, people in a church struggle with that sometimes. They go out and investigate the world and, and review the ways of the world and. And bring in fog machines and and lasers and you know uh whatever uh, rock and roll music into the church and uh, and uh it, with the hopes of of making the flesh feel comfortable so we can we can sneak up on it and no this is the this is the gospel you like it it's yours you don't like it not my problem right uh, and we don't have to be unkind or rude about it but I am, I am not ashamed of the gospel, right? In fact, didn't Paul say that? I am not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. We, we should never be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God, amen? It'll raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the leper. Why should we be ashamed of that? What have they got to offer me? Uh, I, I'll give you some income. I, my father walks in the streets of gold. You, you're going to corrupt me with your money? My father, he, he has, he, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. How are you going to beat that? Well, you know, we got more money than you, not more money than my father's got. He ain't got more money than me. And I'm not impressed with your dead money anyway, right? And we should, the church should never be impressed with the, the, the dead money of the world, amen? We should, we should be glad that we live in the Lord because we can be full of prosperity in the church, amen? And so so that, that was, the, that was the, uh, the judgment, right? that this was going to happen. Uh, and and so then we get to the next chapter, and then we, we have the instructions for how uh, the Passover was supposed to be conducted. So let's start at verse 1 there. It's in, in Exodus uh, 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye uh, unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month they shall take... To them, every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house, right? So that was the deal. This is the Passover, This, right. This is the Passover uh, uh, celebration. Uh, of course, this is not a celebration yet. It's later on, it becomes a celebration. But right now, it's the actual event, right? That this is necessary to stay alive because the, 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 the spirit of death is going to go through. And the spirit of death was, was uh, it didn't care if you're the firstborn. The Lord had lifted his hand uh, off the nation of Egypt, and the the spirit of death had the free reign to to operate in that. Now, you know, the the grace of God and the mercy of God is on the earth today, even if the world doesn't know it. The angel of death can't just operate uh, willy-nilly even in the earth today. It does operate, but not operate just freely uh, to do whatever it wants to. But the judgment of of the Lord uh, lifted here, uh, the hand of the Lord lifted over the nation of Egypt, allowed the angel of death to come through there, uh, and it's not the angel, it doesn't come from the Lord, it comes from, from the devil. Death does come from God. He's not the creator of death. In fact, he calls death an enemy. Uh, and yet the Lord oftentimes will lift his hand and just as Paul said that he, he would uh, give people over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh, that's h- how the Lord operates sometimes. Is He'll just, well, you, you want to live in the flesh, then, 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 then mercy has come to an end, right? And this is a case where mercy has come to an end for the nation of Israel or for the, for the land of Egypt and uh, But they're living in the land of Egypt, right? They're there among them. And so the Lord said, well, you need to do something here to separate yourself, identify yourself separately from the nation of Egypt so that the angel of death then is constrained uh, uh, from you, right? So that he doesn't come. Now, all the other plagues, this was the only one where they had to do something different. All the other plagues would only impact the, the, the land of Egypt and not the land of Goshen, which the land of Goshen is where it's a suburb of Egypt, right? It's, it's a separate, distinct area of Egypt where the nation of, of the Jews were living. They hadn't gone to Israel, of course, but they were there in, in the land of Egypt, and called it land of Goshen. And that just being among the people of God was sufficient to uh, keep them out of all the other plagues, except for this one. It's so the spirit of death will come to all men, right? The spirit of death uh, can access all of mankind, And every mankind will experience the spirit of death, right? Until the Lord Jesus comes back. We will all experience death. There's only two people in the Bible that's never experienced death, right? Do we know who they are? Who's the first one? Uh, Elijah. He's the second one. Who's the first one? Enoch Enoch was the first one, right? Enoch didn't experience death. Elijah didn't experience death. Everybody else, death, right? Uh, And so... um, so, so something special had to be done because the spirit, the spirit of death was part of the curse of the law, right? Part of the, uh, that's what the Lord told Adam, if you, if you fall, uh, then in dying thou shalt die. Uh, and, and the Bible says death passed unto all men. So death has access to all men constrained by our faith until that point in time that uh, the Lord calls us home. Uh, but uh, in this case where the Lord uh, took his hand off the nation of, of Egypt, then now they have to do something to distinguish themselves from all the other people that, uh, that have been judged here. Uh, and so that was the rule. They had to have one lamb per house. And it says in verse 4, If the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall, shall make your count for the lamb, and, and your lamb shall be without blemish. Well, who, who was the ultimate lamb of God? who is the ultimate Passover lamb Jesus right so did Jesus have to be at least uh, have have at least the same qualifications as this lamb sure he had to be remember what did what did John the Baptist say when he saw Jesus behold the Lamb of God who does what take away the sins of the world right so so he was the Lamb of God and so Jesus had to be without blemish so he could never have committed sin if he had ever committed sin he would have had a blemish on him right but not only that uh, we know that we have the sin nature in our flesh because uh, Romans chapter 5 tells us that, 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 that uh, the sin nature is passed from, from uh, generation to generation through the man. We, I think we talked about this maybe even last week. And if Jesus had been born of Joseph and Mary, he would have had the sin nature in his flesh. Even if he never committed a sin, he still would have had the sin nature in his flesh. Uh, and so that would have made him unqualified to be the perfect lamb of God, amen? And so that's one reason, you know, we, and we, we preached a message uh, a while back, it was, and I thought it was a good message about some of the reasons why Jesus had to be born of a virgin. And one of them is this reason right here, that he had to be the perfect lamb without spot or blemish, uh, including in his spiritual life, right? Including in, in the realm of the spirit where the sin nature will reside. Uh, and uh, he didn't have that. So in order to avoid that, and he had to somehow avoid being born with an earthly father because otherwise that would have passed down to him. He would have then been unqualified to, uh, to be the perfect lamb. Amen? And, you know, it's funny to me because, um, it's not really funny, but it's interesting to note how that as we study the Word of God, you find out all these wonderful things about redemption and how complicated it was and how much work the Lord had to put into making it happen and yet people all the time say well I've made my i made my bed hard I'll lie in it you know I'll just pay for my own sins well it's like you know it shows the complete uh, absence of any understanding of the word you are you are horribly unqualified to pay for your own, own sins when the Lord looks at your sins and what what it will cost to pay for your sins and what you bring to the table to pay for that, he's like, "That's it. That's all you got." You know, to buy a house, and, and and well, how much money you got? Well, I, I went through my couch, I, I found thirteen cents. Can I, can I buy the house with that? And, and the bank would be like, well, "Why are you here? Why why are you wasting my time? You're gonna try to pay for this house with what you found on your couch?" Well, that's all I had. It should be enough. It's it's like no, get leave, get out get out of here, and you. We do that all the time. I'll pay for my own sins. You can spend the rest of your life paying. Try to pay for one sin; you'll be woefully inadequate to do it. Amen. An intelligent human being will recognize the fact that we are unable to pay for our own sins. No matter how much we, we beat ourselves up, we will never be able to pay for our own sin. No matter how much we keep ourselves, you know, under. Well, I've made my. I've, I've done all these things wrong. I'm going to uh, uh, pay for my own sins. And if we don't say it that way, but oftentimes we live that way, right? Where, where we Keep ourselves under where we where we refuse to ever uh, well we can't be I, I'm not allowed to ever be happy because of what I've done what I've done wrong. A person of faith who go I can't do nothing about it. I can't can you change yesterday? I can't change yesterday. Even God can't change yesterday. You know yesterday's happened. It's done. It's a done deal, right? Uh, and so what he can do is is fix it for today. And he can, he's well able to do it, right? He paid the price a great price, right? And he's well he he can well afford to to pay the price. In fact, has he already paid the price? He's already paid the price. You know, I, I think I think it's just odd that sometimes in the church we'll get crossways with one another and we'll hold a grudge against somebody. And the reason we hold a grudge is because we want them to pay for their own sins. Well, they're never going to be able to do that. And you don't want you to pay for your own sins. Why are you making them pay for their own sins? But we'll hold a grudge against them with the desire that they need, to, they need to suffer for their own sins. Well, well, then you're just throwing the whole blood of the lamb out the door. You're saying the blood of the lamb wasn't enough for their sins. You think it's enough for your sins, but it's not, apparently not enough for their sins. So you want them to hold on to their sins and to pay for their own sins, knowing that they don't have the capacity to do it, and will never have the capacity to do it. Yet somehow, in our, in our desire to harm somebody, we want them to pay for their own sin. You're going to suffer for your own sins. Well, Jesus already, he's done. He's not, is he going to go back to the cross? There's no more suffering going to happen for any sins ever again. Amen. Now, we have to apply that by faith to our life. But, you know, so much wrapped up in, in just this story right here, right? And I mean, we could preach, uh, you know, I love the story, right? Jesus is the lamb of God, right? Perfect lamb, right? Without blemish. That's important, right? Yeah, you know, and, and a, lot of the, a lot of the farmers probably are like disappointed that, oh, without blemish? Oh, man. I've been trying to get rid of that old snaggletooth uh, lamb over there. You know, he ain't good for nothing. He doesn't ever produce any wool, you know. Look, he looks like a male pattern baldness. You, got no, you can't ever shear him for nothing, you know. He's scrappy, you know. He never, you can't put any weight on him. We feed him everything. He never, never gains any weight. You can't sell in the marketplace. Nobody wants him, right? Maybe we can give him to the Lord. Right? We'll sacrifice him to the Lord, you know. Show the Lord how, how good we are, right? How, how, how awesome he is, right? Uh, and so uh, it's just sad about that, right? Sometimes we, we do those things, you know, and, and um, we ought not do those things, amen? We uh, should honor the Lord with our very best. But he said in verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish, amen? <clears throat> uh, a male of the first year, and she'll take it out from the sheep or from among the goats. You know, it's interesting, it, it could be a sheep or a goat, right? Have uh, you ever thought about that? It didn't have to be a lamb. We always say he's a lamb, but, you know, he could have been a goat too, right? Uh, but he was never called a goat, <clears throat> but the Lord's uh, goat. Goats are always, you know, remember that the the sheep and the goats there in, in, in the book of Matthew, right? Goats were always the one who didn't make it to heaven. Uh, and, and some people say there in that story there, it was in Matthew twenty four, uh, where, where, you know, he brought the in the sheep and the goats, right? One of on the left hand, one of on his right. And the goat the sheep oh you did wonderful things, you know. And the goats, you know, leave me, I never knew you. And people say, see, it's because of what they did that they, that they didn't make it to heaven. But if you notice the story, they were a goat before they ever got there. They were a goat because they never became a sheep. Amen. And so it's not because of what they did. It's because of what they, they, they didn't do. They didn't accept the Lord. And so people are always trying to put you under, under legalism about, well, you've got, to do, you've got to go to the jail, feed the, the, the hungry, clothe the naked, and then you become a lamb. No, you're a lamb, and that's why you do those things. Amen. The goats don't do those things. And so he, he, we're going to get judged for the things we do in the body, both good and bad. But that's not what causes us to be a sheep or a goat. That's what, uh, uh, that's what measures our um, uh, rewards from heaven. Amen. You're a sheep or a goat because if you accept the Lord or don't accept the Lord. Uh, and not because of what you do or don't do. People love to, well, you, you know, you, if you didn't feed the poor, you're going to die and go to hell. Really? What if you live in a rich neighborhood all your life, Right. You, anybody ever been to Dubai? Chris has been to Dubai. You know, they got they just print money on they just make gold. You know, everything's printing money over there, right? They're not a poor person, probably in the whole country. I don't know. I've not been there, but but Chris has been there. Money everywhere, right? Everybody driving a Lamborghini. You know, cars you have probably even heard of, right? Uh, I've never heard of. Oh, that's that car right there. Like wow, you know, I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, and they got they got money like crazy over there. Uh, and so, you think any of those? You know, of course they're all. Muslims I know but um, just think if there you have a church like that right everybody comes up to church driving a Lamborghini you know how like, you know how many devils would get so mad at this church right we all drive up a Lamborghini now I don't want a Lamborghini right because you know probably cost eight thousand dollars to change the oil right and, and then you got to drive to Los Angeles or somewhere like that. I don't want that you know I want to take it down to the shop over here you drove up in the, in the local shop with a Lamborghini to change the oil that look at you like, ain't hey, touching that car I put a scratch on it, it's it's $100,000 for a scratch, right? And so, that's just me being practical. I just, you know, I'm just... Uh, and besides that, I mean, yeah, it's great to go 200 miles an hour. You know, you can't go 20, 20 miles an hour through Dayton. you got 800 red lights, right? I mean, yeah, you can get from one red light to the next red light in, in 20 seconds, but that's it. You know, you, you still wouldn't be able to get the full speed, so, uh, you know, just uh, whatever, right? So... Uh, I, I, you, look, you drive whatever you I don't care. I don't care what you drive. You don't drive a, uh, whatever, a, uh, McLaren, you know, I don't care. Uh, but um, anyway, so here, here we are. Uh, these are the rules, right? Sheep or a goat, and you shall keep it until the fourth, 14th day of the month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take of the blood and strike it upon the two side posts and on the upper posts of the houses wherein they shall eat, and they shall eat the flesh in the night. Roast with fire, unleavened bread with bitter herbs, and they shall eat it. And you know it's interesting. This this the Passover, and all of these things have have meaning, right? The bitter herbs about the bitterness of this death angel coming through there, right? But you, you look at you know the replacement for the Passover uh, for the church. What's the replacement for the Passover for the church? Does anybody know? But Jesus was the Passover lamb, right? But do we do we actually? I mean, I know we, we acknowledge Passover, but we don't really, uh, do we kill lambs today? Do we eat bitter herbs today? No, what do we do? We, we receive communion. That's our replacement for Passover is communion, right? Because we recognize the blood, right? We recognize the, the death of the, the physical body of Jesus, but we don't eat any bitter herbs because we're happy. We're happy that Jesus died, you know? I mean, in the sense that for what we got from it, right? I'm not, I mean anybody happy jesus no we're not happy that he went to the cross but we're happy because you know we're thankful that he did amen Uh, and so we we eat no bitter herbs in the church we eat no bitter herbs now the church loves to go back here and you know we're gonna we're gonna have a passover celebration in the church that's great any mammals died no well you didn't really do passover you know if no mammals died you know did you go get a good lamb not a scraggly lamb right you didn't go down to the rescue uh center and grab a lamb you know you had to raise one from birth perfect right Furry, fuzzy, beautiful little lamb, you know, and then murder it. Are you going to do that, you know? <laughs> I'm glad I'm not a Jew. I mean, it'd be really hard, you know. You get little Betsy lamb there, and you've got to murder the thing. And, and uh, you know, because if, if it was without blemish, it means it was the prettiest one, the, the best fur, right? It, or is that what it's called? Fur, I don't know if it's cur- fur, wool, you know, the best wool, you know, perfectly white all, all around, you know. No blemishes, you know, not little dark spots, white spots, you know. No calico lambs, you know, no, that wouldn't work, right? It had to be a perfect lamb. Uh, and so, but we love to pull up Old Testament feasts, right? Feasts and tabernacles. We, you know, does the church love to do that? Let's have a feast, right? Let's celebrate all the feasts, all the, all the seven feasts of, of Israel. We're going to do that. Why would we do that? They're all wrapped up in Jesus. He's come to the cross and gone. I'm not going to kill a lamb. I'm sure not going to put any blood on my, on my doorpost. You know how much time I had to spend painting my posts in my front of my house? I mean, I spent, you know, when we moved in there, they were all messed up, right? Their all paint was peeling and I spent days and weeks over, over time because I couldn't do it all at once. Had to scrape all that paint off there, you know, put primer back on it, paint the things and, and now you want me to be slap blood on it? I mean, you slap blood in your house. I ain't doing it on my house. But, uh, and so, um, but we love to do that. Don't we love to, to do I don't, you know, we have communion, amen? We, have, we could celebrate the fact that the Passover occurred but it's never going to occur again, amen? It was, all this is a type and shadow of Jesus, amen? And we're thankful that he did that, Um, but we're also thankful that that it never has to be done again. Now, the the nation of Israel would go through, and they would, of course, celebrate this every year, right? This was part of of their their celebration there. Uh, And so, so let's turn over to, uh, we're still in chapter 12 there, so let's go towards the end of the chapter, and um, so then he comes down and um, uh, let's start in verse 21 here. It says, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. So now they're actually doing it right. So they had the instructions about how to do it. Now Moses tell them it's time to do it. And he like take, take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that was in the, the basin and strike it on the lintel and the two side posts of the, of the, with the blood that's in the basin, and none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. And of course, we know, right, the death angel passed, and the, the death angel went into every home, right, every house, every, every barn, uh, every, every dwelling, and looked for, is there a firstborn in this house? And if there is a firstborn in this house, then uh, the judgment of the Lord was well then you can do that he constrained the death angel right you can't take the secondborn has to be a firstborn only he he did constrain it because of the mercy of God but um, the judgment of God also fell and that's what allowed this to occur. So when the death angel came and saw the blood on the on the doorpost and you know and you can go I mean people can preach years on the you know what what the hyssop meant right and why the why the doorpost and on Side door post and the lintel above the door post, and you know there's there's meaning to probably all of that stuff, right? Valuable meaning to it. We're not going to do that today, Uh, but uh, but the blood was a constraint, right? The blood of the lamb was a constraint against the angel of death. Well, is that not the case today? If that's if that's the case today, then aren't you washed in the blood? then the angel of death has no right to come to you today. Anything changed? Nothing changed, right? It's still, uh, is there a mark of blood on your life, right? There is, right? The, the blood of the lamb, you've been washed in the blood, so you have the mark of the blood of the lamb on your on your dwelling, which is you, right? Your your, your spirit being dwells in your house, right? Your temple is your physical body. Uh, and that alone, I mean, you could use that to get healed, right? I mean, that, that is a way... To understand that you can get healed that that the blood of a lamb uh, that you've been washing the blood and it constrains the angel of death he has no right and privilege to be in your house now the world they don't have that do they death angel comes through and and if he can he'll kill somebody right now the again the mercy of the lord is a constraint even today on the angel of death even to those that are outside the church amen because if, if the lord didn't constrain the angel of death don't you think he did already killed the whole world uh, he would have, right? So the Lord, the grace of God, the mercy of God is still in the whole earth, even on those outside the church, constraining the, the spirit of death uh, to the best of, his, uh, best of, of uh, its ability. You know, now people can, can short-circuit that, right? Short-circuit the mercy of God and go do things that are just uh, completely ungodly and un- and sinful and, and do things and uh, and and welcome the angel of death into their life even without necessarily acknowledging it. Uh, But it still happens today, right? And so, because otherwise, uh, there would only be the church left in the world. The angel of death would have already cleared out the entire world other than the church, and we would have no work to do, right? Because if there was no world, there's no need for us to be here, right? If everybody has ever been saved, then the Lord can come back, amen? There'll never be a situation where the whole world is saved, but there will be a situation where the whole world has had a chance, amen? The whole world will have an opportunity to get saved, even if they don't accept it. And so he's telling them that, uh, here's what you do, don't go out of your house until morning. So only behind the blood was their safety. If they left the door, left their house, uh, and their their dwelling was no longer marked with the blood of the Lamb, then uh, the angel of death had had a fair right to destroy them if they were firstborn. Right Now if they were a middle child, they could have gone out and played in the streets, right? And I don't think I would have risked it, you know, I mean, I say that, you know, I say that because it's, it's probably true, but it, 50-50, right? I mean, he doesn't say uh, that you that you could do that, but um, but more than likely it would have been okay. I wouldn't have risked it, though, you know, you want to risk your childhood? It's okay, you know, you admit a child, yeah, you're fine, because nobody likes to middle a child anyway, right? Let them go out there, uh, but, um, uh, and so um, he said in verse 23, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and upon the two-side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer to destroy, uh, not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you, right? So the Lord's not going to allow this to happen. And he shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and for thy sons forever. Uh, and, and do we observe this thing forever? Well, we still do, right? We observe that this occurred, but now it's been wrapped up in Jesus, right? So we still recognize that this happened, amen? We have not said that, the blood no longer holds sway. Now, we do know, but it's, it's, it's the blood of a lamb, but it's a different lamb, right? It's a, a lamb that's even better than their lamb because you know that the lambs had something going on with them. Best they could tell, they were without blemish, but I bet, you know, if you took a you know, DNA sample, you'd probably find some blemish in them somewhere, right? Uh, and so, uh, and it shall come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you according to, as he had promised that he shall keep, uh, that you shall keep this service, and it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, what mean ye by this service? And then you should say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, right? So that's why we call it the Passover, because it's Lord of the Passover, right? Where the angel of death passed over uh, the, the nation of Egypt. <clears throat> and so, uh, the Lord passed over. Who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed the head and worshiped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. And so then it actually occurs, right? It came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn of the land of Egypt and from the firstborn of the Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in, his, in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. And so it's unfortunate that, you know, uh, that even some people that, you know, they were they were a prisoner, and they still, if they were first born, they still died, right? And, and it's not on the Lord. This is on that's on Pharaoh, right? This is Pharaoh's cause. If Pharaoh had let the people go, this would have never happened, Amen. People say, "Well, I can't believe God did that." Well, God didn't do that. Pharaoh did this. Amen. And people are always trying to put the blame on God for these things, and they want God to have infinite mercy and overlook all sin, and and. He's not under any obligation to do that, amen. Uh, He will tell you, here's how to get out of sin. Here's how to avoid judgment. Here's how to avoid destruction in your life. And and all the time, mankind is going, we don't want that deal. We want to make up our own deal. We want to tell you uh, what the deal is. And the Lord's like, "Uh, you don't make the rules. I make the rules, amen. And, And the thing is, you know, oftentimes people act like the Lord is being so unkind in these things. And yet, the Lord has already offered the entire world a way out of all judgment, hasn't he? That shows the goodness of the Lord, Amen. And the hubris and pride of humanity is constantly telling the Lord, "We don't want your deal. We want we want to tell you how to operate. We want you to overlook all sin, regardless of what we do or say. And you have to do it, otherwise, you're a bad God. God's like, I'm not impressed with your with your uh, with your argue, arguments. There. Uh, here's the deal. Uh, I, I encourage you to take it. You know, and the thing to me, the thing that I struggle with sometimes, you know, I consider myself a fairly intelligent human being. In fact, I remember I told you I prayed this morning to thank the Lord how intelligent I am, right? So I must be intelligent. I thank the Lord that I'm intelligent, right? Uh, and so, you know, when, when, and I didn't know anything about any of this right, when I got saved, right? Uh, and yet, if, if every human being could understand what the Lord has done for us, why would everybody not be a Christian immediately? Right? If we really understood what he's done for us and the value of what he's done for us and, and why he did it, how is there anybody who would reject this? And yet people reject it every day. Intelligent human beings reject it every day, right? People are, well, I just, don't, I, I just don't know if any of that stuff's so. Right? There's no way that an intelligent human being couldn't read the entire word of God. Of course, you can't understand it except by the spirit of God, but he can give revelation. He, he gives revelation to the world every day. You need a savior. Every day, the revelation comes to their heart And they can choose to accept it or reject it. And they reject it. Uh, Because that's how they get saved. They have to get saved by the revelation that they need a Savior. Amen. Uh, And so the Lord comes to the whole world every day. You need to get saved. And then he hooks up with the church as we preach the gospel. And encourage them to get saved. Uh, And and why every human being on the earth isn't saved, I I have no idea. You know, when I got saved, I am so thrilled about the Word of God. I love the Word of God. The more I study the Word of God, the more I love the Word of God. Because I I look at these stories and say, you know, this is a story thousands of years before Jesus, right? Uh, uh, Around 2,000 years, not quite 2,000 years, before Jesus came. And and he managed to, to replicate the exact same story in his own life. You know, thousands of years after this occurred to become the Lamb. But he followed all the same rules of Passover and everything. Followed all the same rules and did this. And how is that even possible that somebody could be that have that much foresight thousands of years in the future to do to to put these rules to Moses because every rule that the Lord wrote down for Moses the Lord's thinking okay it's got to be done this way so that Jesus can become that in the future and nobody can think that way except for the Lord right only the Lord could be that that aware of the future right uh, and so because uh, if it if it said you know uh, I- I- instead of the lamb maybe it's a billy goat or you know a buffalo or something well that's you know you know buffaloes in in uh, in Israel at that time right so it would have been a little tougher to do that. Or something else, right, that would have made it more difficult for Jesus to be. But he, Jesus became this, right? He became uh, the perfect Lamb of God. Uh, and so, so uh, again, back to verse 29, It came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat uh, on his throne, the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn. And Pharaoh rose up in the night. He and all his servants and all the Egyptians and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead, right? Because, I mean, either um, uh, either there was a firstborn child or maybe one of the parents was firstborn, right? Or maybe there was an animal that was firstborn. So basically every home in Egypt was touched by this, uh, by this uh, judgment there, right? Uh, and, of course, after this, they were allowed to go. Uh, but, you know, Pharaoh, it, you know, we think, well, Pharaoh, big bad Pharaoh, right? He's so, such a bad person, such a prideful person. This pharaohs every day in the world, right? We tell them, that God is the, is the supreme being of, of all the universe of all the creation. No, He's not. I am. I get to choose. You know, I get to make my own way. Pharaohs every day. And and uh, is the Lord under any pressure about other pharaohs? You know, pharaoh considered himself a god, right? That's the way they operated. is I am a god. And, you know, and you think people would wise up after a while? It's like every one of the gods died. Everyone. They built the giant pyramids uh, in honor of their dead God. It's like, well, you know, he said he was God, but now he's dead, right? You'd think that somebody would say, "Seem like we're missing something, right? They all said they were God, but now they're dead. And and so, you reckon they really are God? But somehow they managed to to lie to, you know, Egypt was the greatest uh, country at this time, right? In this time frame, they were the greatest country on the earth, probably. And... um, yeah, and all these people believed it. Millions of people believed it. This this, this guy, uh, played by Joel Brenner, right? Because when he, the, the, the Pharaoh in, in Ten Commandments, right? Uh, uh, so let it be written, so let it be done. Uh, and so, <laughs> uh, that he was God. Well, he wasn't God, right? He was just a guy. Uh, and yet, uh, I wonder if they didn't even believe it themselves, right? If they Because you, you look at that. And they, they have infinite wealth, right? They have uh, the ability to, to take life and give life uh, and, and make all these edicts. And yet, they all died in the end, didn't they? And, and this and, and it, the thing is, even here, now, you know, it's amazing, other other uh, other non-Jewish people, right? Remember Abimelech, right? Abimelech said, your God is the only God. Uh, other other people, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, you, uh, the God of Israel is the only God. There's plenty of other people outside of the nation of Israel who recognized that Jehovah God was the only God. Rahab, you know, your God's the only God. Lots of other people recognized it, right? That Even if they didn't worship him in the same way the Jews did, they acknowledged, okay, your God's greater than all of our gods. Pharaoh, you know, he, he begrudgingly acknowledged it for a period of time, but then he still, I'm going to go kill them all. And, you know, what's he thinking? Ten plagues he suffered through already, you know, he, he still, the pride and arrogance of Pharaoh said, I've got to prove to my people that I'm still God. And the only way I could do it, I, could, I have to destroy the nation of Israel. And of course, you know, uh, and, and people, uh, uh, historians, question that this ever occurred. Because there's no written uh, evidence in all the writings of Egypt that this event ever occurred. But who, who commissioned all the hieroglyphs to be written on all the stone walls in Egypt? The Pharaohs did, right? Do you think they're going to go, yeah, let's make sure we record that defeat of, of our God by some other unknown god. Let's make sure we record that because you know we want to be correct in our historic, historical record. No, they're not going to do that, right? Sounds like our our press today, right? They're not going to tell you the truth. They're going to tell you the truth that they want you to hear, right? And uh, this this thing, same thing here. And, and yet, um, the people of the world are pharaohs every day. Amen. And, and really, to be honest, all of us were pharaohs at one time—that we were our own god. Amen. We didn't answer to no to no one to, to nothing. And so, you know, the Passover is a type uh, of understanding or a healing, uh, especially from, uh, specifically from the spirit of death, right? In in that sense, you can make that correlation, right? Uh, uh, Saying that it it provides our healing for today, it's really not a story of healing, it's really a story of protection from death, right? Of course, death we know is the ultimate sickness, but, um, you know, we we really should go into other areas to look at um, using some of the Old Testament stories uh, to... Uh, look look at our protection from sickness and disease. But we do know that it was the blood of a lamb, right? And we do know that, uh, I mean, when we receive communion, we receive communion with the juice, right, which represents his blood. But the blood is is there to acknowledge that we've been washed from, from all, all, all sin, right? And then it was the bread that represents his body, which represents our healing for today, right? So trying to say that the blood of the lamb is... What we use to obtain healing, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a stretch. I mean, I'm not going to argue and, and get mad at anybody about it, but um, uh, we do know that ultimately, really, that the, the sacrificial lamb here was to protect us from the spirit of death, but also not just physical death, but spiritual death, right? Uh, and because of the work of the lamb, now we not only get to avoid physical death, but we can also avoid spiritual death for all eternity. Uh, and, you know, and that is a good analogy, amen, because that's really the whole point of this, is to say that we can avoid both uh, the two types of death that, the, that Adam was, was cursed with, which is uh, first spiritual death and second physical death. And we could put off physical death until it's our time to go home, but we can also put off spiritual death forever, right? We can restore our spiritual lives to spiritual life of the Lord. Amen? Uh, and, and that's really the whole point of Passover, is to, to do that, right? And, and it, to me, it just shows how amazingly... Detailed the Lord was into prophesying the coming of the Lord Jesus say this has to be done this way So I can show you that Jesus is the fulfillment of all these things and why every Jewish person in the world isn't a Christian already I don't understand that right because if they just would give uh, even a, a, a minor amount a small amount of study of how Jesus fulfilled prophecy and fulfilled types and shadows I don't know how you could not become a Christian, right? I mean, I, I'm thankful for the Jews, and they, they are taught uh, the, the, the ways of Jehovah God. But move on over, right? <laughs> you know, you can still wear your little yarmulke, I guess, if you want to, right? And, and, um, um, but move on over, amen? He's the Messiah, fulfilled all these things, amen? And so let's pray and God for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for the word. And, Father, we thank you for the types and shadows that you gave to us in the, in the Old Testament Uh, You wrote them down for our benefit, Father, for our teaching, our admonition, Father, to to strengthen the foundation of our faith, to understand the great price and the great effort that you put into our redemption. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that you did pay a great price and that you spend a great amount of energy and effort, Father, to to put things together in in a perfect way to show that Jesus is the perfect lamb, Father, that, that he's not just a great preacher, not just a great prophet, but he was the great son of God himself. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this afternoon's offering, and um, we, we thank the Lord for, um, for the Old Testament. You know, uh, I, I, I do love the Old Testament stories. I do love to see how they tie into the New Testament, amen. Uh, and really, you should be careful of of not spending all your time in the Old Testament because the only way you can ever understand the Old Testament is to have the light and the, the, uh, uh, the revelation of the New Testament, amen? Because all this stuff with lamb and blood it just seems kind of gross and yucky until you understand what this means in the New Testament, amen? And so come ahead, Mr. Deer, and receive the offering. And um, uh, let's see. Uh, I guess we've got Mark Hankins coming down to uh, Hickson on Thursday and Friday of this week and then um, um, we'll have prayer a week after that and then the, the church thing. So um, um, Let's see. What do we still need? Um, we've got all the socks we need for the... Uh, okay. so we got all the socks we need so we still need toiletries and playing cards, right? Uh, and snacks, right? Toiletries, playing cards, and snacks so we have the books that we need for them. What about stamps? Do we need stamps? Stamps and envelopes, so... And what are they going to put in the envelope? Are they going to uh, they a to get a paper? Or yeah, a stamp on it. yeah. Okay. Do we give? Are we going to give them the uh, paper to write the letter, or is that they're going to take care of that? Okay. All right. That's uh, <laughs> okay. Stamps are the hardest thing to come by, right? Because it costs money, right? And paper's probably uh, I don't know. I guess maybe it's easier to get by with or something. So, um, but uh, so we're going to get them a stamp and an envelope. And we're going to put the stamp on the envelope because otherwise it becomes money, right? They start, hey, I'll give you a stamp if you give me, you know, whatever, right? And so we're not interested in increasing the barter system in the jail, right? We want to be a blessing to them, amen? And so stamps, envelopes, um, and um, um, toiletries and playing cards, right? And snacks. So we've got the bags, we've got the books, we've got the socks, uh, and so, and so we've got some of that other stuff too, right? So, um, but all right, well, praise God, we all have a wonderful week, and, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday at Healing School, right?